Okay, welcome to a special edition of York Hospital Ball with York City's media officer, Dan Simonite, who I think will go close to being the busiest man in furlough. And by that, I don't mean he's been driving to Bournemouth Beach every day and back, but he's, uh, you've released some Banksy artwork for charity, released a podcast. You've got York City trending worldwide. Obviously, we'll go into those a little bit more detail later on, Dan, but was there a conscious effort from you to kind of turn the negatives of lockdown into some sort of positive? Yeah, I think like many people, I got placed on furlough from the April 1st. So it was um, it's quite hard for me, really really because you know York City sounds a bit sad but you, you know York City is like my life you know I, I wake up in the morning it's, it's my full-time job I'm doing it from my way when I wake up in the morning to when I go to bed most days um, just because I enjoy it so much and losing sort of that it's quite hard for me so yeah I, I sort of wanted to keep busy during this period and you know like you said turn a negative into a positive and you know there's not much football going on and stuff and I just wanted to do sort of all, all I sort of could to um, keep people updated whether it be York, York City stuff or you know just my personal stuff just really get myself ahead in my career sort of thing you know I, I really I really love what I do and I sort of want to want to take that as far as I can so yeah keeping busy and um, trying not to, to be bored staying away from the parents and yeah <laughs> I mean, I'm certain not everyone will know that you're actually a York City supporter aren't you I mean a lot of media and journalists can, can come from different towns and, and kind of just get jobs in those places but, but you're from York aren't you and, and you, you went to your first game in 2005 versus Canvey Island yeah I think so that's the sort of first game in my memory obviously York born and bred grew up in Strensel so went to Huntington School so just around the corner from the new stadium so real local lad and went up to Newcastle for three years did my degree I've come back and I was really fortunate just everything fell into place and you know I got the job which you know it was the it was my dream job essentially because I remember saying to my dad before I started my second degree which we'll probably go on to that you know I want to you know imagine if I, I got the job at York City that's what I said to him and you know it was actually on my graduation day that I got the call that you know I was, I was actually coming in full time and it was it was unreal really and yeah my first game can be Island I think don't really remember many of the players I think we had a conversation about it obviously Martin Wolford was a big player for me I used to love him when I was a kid Clayton Donaldson Andy Bishop that strike partnership was immense and that's sort of all I really remember from obviously my younger days and you know, I'd got to games with my mates and that and got a season ticket my first season ticket when we went up to League 2 that first season off the back of that great season I was like you know, I'm going to start following my local club home and away really so it was brilliant and that season was was amazing It's we'll probably get on to yeah I mean, I was looking back to about 2005 and I almost tried to sort of compare it to how I sort of felt around that time. But I think because I'm a bit older than you, I, I kind of looked with a bit of bitterness around that era because obviously I'd grown up with York City in the Football League and, and kind of getting down to the, to the non-league, there was very much a kind of, well, we should be beating Canvey Island 10-0 everywhere. You know what I mean? And, and and I think maybe in your situation, I was trying to think about it from your point of view, 2005-06 and, and, and sort of onward was probably quite an exciting time because like you say, Andy Bishop, Clayton Donaldson, Martin Wolford, Neil Bishop as well. You know, there were some really good players around that time. Was it quite exciting for you growing up and with your mates going to the games? Absolutely. I think the the thing with, you know, I'm 23. So my sort of generation and, you know, the new generation coming through, they've only seen York as like, a, for me, they've always been a, a conference side, really. League two conference side. Whereas I know a lot of people see it as a championship league one club for a lot of fans. And I get that. But, you know, for the, obviously the new generation, I only see them as conference league two. So when they got promoted and they got, you know, they won those two trophies at Wembley, that was amazing for the city of York. Because it's like, you know, all you got to school, all your mates support, like, you know, Leeds United, Man U and stuff. 
it's sort of a sense of pride that you know my local club's done it and they're actually a, a team which people would support now sort of thing because they're in the league and I think it, yeah it's a, it was a massive thing at the time and even us in League 2 I remember getting in the playoffs and I was thinking like wow like imagine York in League 1 that's crazy but obviously people expect that really but I think it's a generation thing you know even where we are now with you know the new generation coming forward if we do quite start climbing the leagues they'll think oh wow York are this high and you know, maybe their dad will tell them just like you know back in back in my day we were championships sort of thing so you know there's probably is that sort of bitterness with some of the fans I think but in terms of the younger generation they've never seen York as a you know league one championship club so I guess it, it's exciting really yeah and I think that's the thing with football isn't it it doesn't really respect reputations or history does it I mean you know we look at someone like Stockport County who only just got out of the conference north last season they were probably a, when you compare them side by side are probably a slightly bigger club than York City you know so I would say football doesn't uh, care about reputations at what, what point did you start to aspire to work in the media then and, and more specifically sports media it was something when I was younger I never really thought about I was always from about the age of like I'd say 13, 14 I was always playing around on Photoshop and stuff and doing graphics I did want to be a graphic designer at one point but I, I was really sporty growing up I did tennis football, swimming cricket literally every sport I used to play for clubs and stuff and so I wanted to be a PE teacher but I went through my A-levels um, I, I did PE and uh, I got dropped from my first year after I, I got a U in PE I, I had a really bad first year I got like three U's and one C I was very lucky we kept on to the next year of A-levels I don't think it was because I was a bad student or anything it was just I didn't you know I wasn't passionate about the actual theory of things I, I was a doer I liked being practical so another one of my levels was media and also product design so those two combined with my passion for sport I took them to my next day level did really well got into uh, Northumbria which a lot of people my, my teachers would were flabbergasted because obviously I was my lowest student you know they didn't really think much of me and um, that was a re- really proud moment and yeah I, I sort of combined my I was good at media I liked media and obviously my passion for sport you combine them two and then they it's just like the perfect combination of at the time I was like oh, I want to be a sports journalist or work in the media um, and as I said like working for York City was, was the dream essentially so yeah that, that's how I came about to actually want to get into my role I guess and, and tell us a bit about York City Weekly that you did I mean as an older fan it must have passed me by because I think it's a YouTube sort of thing wasn't it but I noticed you tweeted about it recently about that time and maybe you, you got a little bit of criticism from some people and, and that maybe I think essentially has made you a stronger person hasn't it ultimately in your career mm-hmm. going forward but what was that all about yeah so essentially I'd do a it was only about five episodes long or something but I went through this phase of wanting to be like a presenter or someone obviously I'd never be a presenter because it's just not really me but I think it was maybe my going into my second year of uni I think I wanted to sort of get into presenting broadcast maybe you know the sort of thing you're doing now podcasting and stuff like that and um, I thought oh what better way to actually do it on on my club and you know I'd been doing the sort of internship with BT Sport with the club in my first year so I knew all the things happening and stuff and I was really involved in everything and it was just essentially like a news show really it wasn't really anything special I'd just go through the news like on the York Press club website and stuff and just rattle them off really and try and like present to the camera and it was all about me being more comfortable on camera and speaking properly without stuttering or anything like that and just practice really and you know I did that for five episodes and you know it was something very sort of weird and left field really because you know everyone was like why is this kid doing a York City show it's just really weird but you know you see these fan channels at the moment Premier League clubs they, they do amazing and you know that York City thing I did YCFC Weekly I should have carried it on I don't know why I didn't it was you know, like you said it was more sort of criticism from other people and I cared too much at that time you know, I was still young I was very maybe insecure in some places and was that just like an odd comment then that someone had made and that you, and you took that to heart is that the sort of thing that you're talking about yeah 
yeah it was more just like you know why is he doing that that's really weird and you know i always say you've got to do weird things to get weird results and that's you know that's the key to life really if, if i just stayed and did the normal thing other students do you know just write their blog or whatever and you know, just do their degree i wouldn't have got you know where i am now so i think it was yeah i took it really to heart at the time and i was you know, I stopped after five episodes and i was just like you know I'll, I'll just try and fit in from now and i'll do the normal thing but you know as i said you, you've got to do weird things and i think it, it got a good response as well at the time i was really you know looking back on it deleted all the videos now <laughs> well that's it me. i went to try, try, try to search <laughs> for them to see what they were like because sometimes it's quite interesting looking back at videos of those times to see what people thought what was happening at the time obviously knowing what did happen in the future yeah it was basically i just basically go over the game and stuff and just present really and yeah they got over i used to post more facebook youtube twitter and everything and you know some of them got like five thousand views which is like even now if i put something out it got five thousand views now even on like the york city channel i'll be buzzing and i did this off my own like personal channels and it were great and you know imagine if i carried that on from now um, that's kind of double the amount york city <laughs> might get for a home game you know <laughs> yeah exactly figures out there yeah you got to see it as like an audience in front of you as well like imagine like five thousand people just sat listening to you and it, you know, it makes you feel a bit like the stuff i do with like my podcast at the moment you know i don't even get like maybe 500 listeners but i see it as like a room of people and you know like it's nice really isn't it you know absolutely and you, and you went to northumbria uni like you say and uh, i presume that was with a view to working in spot how competitive is it as an industry and how, how many people were, were on your course for example well i went to uni the first time i was obviously finished sixth form at Huntington and I got my grades to get in Northumbria and I went and did PR to start with because my stepbrother is actually quite he's in London and he he works for I think it's like the LTA or something like that in a tennis organization he's like a PR manager I saw what he was doing with campaigns and stuff it was amazing I was like I want a bit of that and I went and I went for the first week stayed for freshers week I had a good time you know <laughs> I went to all bars and that and I just went to one lecture and I remember just sat there just like I was so I just sat in class and I was thinking I'm not ready for this and I don't really know if I actually want to do this. So I didn't go to another lecture, just wasn't really ready for it, you know, as a person, I'd probably say. So I took a year out, I worked at York Golf Range, which is on Telthorpe near Strensel. I actually saw a couple of York players used to come in sometime, Richard Creswell used to come in and Darren Dunning, I think. He used to come in and he had a twin brother as well. He used to get mixed up all the time. And um, I was working there and I was getting bare minimum wage sort of thing. I was like, you know, I actually want to do something with my life and I want to actually do the thing I want to do. I don't want to work in the golf range all my life even though it was quite fun sometimes and I went back and well, I started writing little articles online for like football manager articles and stuff and I went back to uni and did media and journalism that was my degree so I was 19 at that point and yeah my class was about probably 40 people I'd say when we started which isn't a lot really I didn't really want to do like a business management course where like 200 people do because you know what job you're going to get at the end of that potentially you need to like you need to know exactly what you want to do and stuff so I did that and everyone getting into journalism wants to do sports journalism that's like the thing you know so most of my class wanted to do that and the only people who actually get into it are the ones who you know graft and they do stuff outside of uni and they volunteer hours and stuff you know I spent three years doing that literally all of my just time I had off at uni and you know I, I still had a good time you know I went out quite a lot still and worked hard play hard that's the attitude you got to have and it was you know it was great I loved I loved my time volunteering and stuff and you know I just transpired into getting my foot in at York City and then getting a full-time job and that's what you need to do really yeah so so the first experience like you said was with York City paid I guess would have been the being a camera operator for BT and and you were interviewing Jackie McNamara and Gary Mills around those times as well were you was that 
a quite daunting because you were you were a young lad, but and b because you were a supporter. Did you feel any extra sort of nerves with that position? Yeah, so obviously I was nineteen, and it was Niall at the time who was the press officer, and he got me and another lad called Kieran in some fans might remember him and he was like a master's student so he sort of took the lead on that kind of thing and what we used to do is used to record one half each and then after the game I sort of let Kieran interview the manager because I didn't I was too shy to do it basically and you know it was Jackie McNamara at first one and you know Kieran was really good at it obviously a master's student done it for ages and you know I just was there with the camera just making sure lighting everything was okay so I had the bare minimum job and so we used to interview Jackie and Jackie was quite easy easy to interview he's very sort of laid back and quite a came across quite timid at times really I don't know if that was just because results weren't going his way or whatever you could tell when he was sort of going out the club because he, he wouldn't do interviews with us and we were thinking you know he's you know, is, is he going to be gone next week or whatever and then obviously Gary Mills came in probably like my absolute hero and you know I was buzzing I was like oh I'm going to get to speak to Gary Mills and you know, I remember Kieran we met him he was, he was proper sound he obviously got that reception when he came back and that and you can tell how passionate he is about the club I listened to the podcasts you did with him as well and you know you can tell he still loves the club which is great he was always very sort of strange with the media I think it was on purpose he was you know even with us we were sort of like club media because um, we were working like on well, for BT Sport but for the club so we were like the designated York City people and he was always if you asked him a question it was always trying to I think he was thinking in his head like oh they're trying to catch me out but really we're just trying to prompt him for questions I think that's just how he was you couldn't really be matey with him or anything if, if you were the media guy I think if I was a staff member or something it might have been different probably a lot different but he saw us as like external media I think so he didn't really warm to us that much I remember Kieran wasn't there one day so I had to do all the recording and everything and after the game I had to interview the manager I remember we do the interviews I don't know if you've been in the back tunnels of Boothen Crescent we, there's the home changing room the tunnel so you're going down the tunnel back to the changing room and it's just to the left where the players entrance is and we just put a board up there and then you just basically it's very narrow the that, manager. That, that tunnel yeah. as well isn't it yeah, it's a, it's a tight squeeze. You know, obviously, we just shut all the doors to make sure he can't hear the other lads when we interview the much social distancing happening now, down there. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to get a really long mic, I think. But <laughs> yeah, we, I was sort of waiting down there for him. I was just like, I remember, I could even feel it now. Like, I was like shaking when I was, I was like, oh, I'm going to interview Gary Mills. Like, finally, like, this is coming and obviously I was a first year student I'd, I'd not actually interviewed anyone in my life so I'd, they can teach you how to interview people at uni and, and stuff but I'd never interviewed anyone and he came down the tunnel I think we drew I think but we'd had like two penalty decisions which we should have got basically and he I remember his face it was like a face like thunder he was walking down the thing and I was just like oh no and you know you have your questions prepared sort of thing you know I'd had them written down I remember looking at my phone my hand was just shaking as well so that made me nervous because he could probably see my hand was shaking <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I asked the first question. It was just generic. How do you think the game went or whatever? It's just standards. And then I was so concentrated on the next question that I wasn't listening to what he was saying, which is like the worst thing you could ever do. Because you've got to, if he says something, you've got to lead off that. And as you know, you've got to, you can't just go off the set questions. You want to just fire them off. And I did that. So my next question was, what do you think of the penalty shouts? And you know, I stuttered as I said it as well, which was even more embarrassing. And he sort of just like looked at me, like like stared at me with those eyes. You, you can actually see it on YouTube. I uploaded it and I called it How Not to Interview a Football Manager. It's got about 30,000 views. Really embarrassing. But anyway, he just looked at me and I just froze and he was just like, well, I've just told you. And that was all he said. And I was like, oh, oh okay. Um, <laughs> so I was just like, oh my God, I've actually I've actually pissed him off here. I think, well, definitely pissed him off. And after that, you've lost the interview. And that was so sort of embarrassing for me. And BT Sport never even used it. I sent it in. I don't know why. I remember next week, Niall used to have to go 
to his office to get him out of his office to then do the interview. So it was funny, really. Niall used to have to knock a certain way on his door. So he couldn't knock in like a rhythm, like a song, as you maybe normally do. You have to do like one, two, three, like that. I don't know if it was another way of him trying to sort of manipulate people. And, you know, um, I don't know. It was a it was a weird one. But yeah, I remember now coming down the thing was just like, yeah, he's not going to speak today, lads. He hasn't got the hump with you. But I was just like, he definitely doesn't want to speak to me. And after that, you know, I just left Kieran to do all the interviews. I was too embarrassed, really. But you know, I was just a first year student and... Frankly, I've got a lot better interviews. I'm not the best. You know, that's not my forte, really. I'm not a, a really good interviewer. I'm more of a graphic, social media kind of person. So, you know, you learn your strengths and weaknesses. And obviously, I learned massively from that conversation I had with Gary. And he's probably the best person I could have had in terms of, you know, a manager to interview as my first manager. But yeah, very embarrassing. You can look it up on YouTube if you want. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I didn't before I interviewed him. I, probably, I might not have gone through with it <laughs> from what you've said. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they do say that they never interview your hero or never meet your heroes or they'll never match up to what, what you think but I, I guess it, it kind of shows the strength of, of your career doesn't it that you've put that up on YouTube again on recently which maybe when you were doing the YCFC weekly you probably wouldn't have done because you'd have been you took that sensitively just moving on to so you were, did a bit of work for Blythe Spartans didn't you as their programme editor so you had a good experience of working for a National League North club before you even came to work for York City full time what was the differences of working for a club like that who are part time compared to the likes of York City well, yeah I did the this was my second year now at uni we're talking about and I did obviously did the role with Blythe Spartans and at the time it was great because I thought oh, we're going to be able to play York City so I'll, I'll be able to see that and you know, Blythe's like a local it's probably like the biggest team other than Newcastle United in that area so it was like a big thing for me and they part-time full-time teams part-time they trained maybe I think it was maybe twice a week I think and they trained on like the Astra turf behind the ground obviously it's not the same as us we have a massive um, acre of, of land to train on and you know there's turn up to the game it's they're all very personal characters I'm not saying York players aren't at all but uh, they were all you know Geordies you know have, have a laugh and stuff and it was Alan Armstrong was the manager he was really really sound to speak to and stuff and you know, I, I just did the programme so I did the in, interviews with players and stuff and quizzes games stuff like that and that's what really got me into like sort of design and stuff like that you know, more graphic design doing Photoshop stuff and you know, it was quite a good time to be involved with Live because they were doing quite well at the time I remember I think might have finished like just outside the playoffs when I was there but you know I travelled to clubs like Stockport County and stuff and that's what really got me involved I think it was the first real I was inside the football club if you know what I mean when I was doing my internship with York I was just external but I was inside the football club it felt like I was part of it and it was great and I was like you know this is what I want to do I want to work for a football team so did that for a year did 30 programs 36 pages I used to have to do like an all-nighter on a Wednesday to get it printed for 9am Thursday um, obviously I was a full-time student I was also doing other internships so it was a real real graft but obviously that taught me the fundamentals of working for a football team and you know, engaging with people and you know it was real good you know it's a real good club it's sad to see them like decline especially this season probably potentially next season looking at the budget side of things and finances so yeah real soft spot for them so was there a difference in the in the full-time and the part-time in the media i'd, I'd say the only term in terms of media we had a massive team of live spartans actually whereas at york it's only me so at york i do probably say i do like three or four people's jobs in terms of media you know at football clubs at live we had myself program editor, a media manager a few like club journalists you know it was great because we'd spread out the responsibilities between us and it was maybe like like six or seven of us all like students or you know a media manager was a bit older and stuff who'd spread responsibility it was great 
for me at York, I'd sort of get that on a match day with obviously Tom Paul, Adam Davy, and uh, Ian Parker who all help me out. And you know, match day stuff's great because there's a lot less stress on yourself to do things. But yeah, in terms of that as well, the, there's a lot more media interest at York. Like, understandably, we get like Yorkshire Post. We get about three or four people at the press conferences uh, week in week out. And obviously, if we're doing better, we get like BT Sport people like that. And you know, at Blythe, you'd be lucky just to get a BBC Newcastle. You know, you'd never really get any external media other than you know, like the local student paper or something like that. So I guess that's the difference in terms of media, but it was you have a lot more, you're heavily reliant on volunteers, which is sometimes a good thing, but sometimes not because you know they can dip in and out and you know they're not forced to like do the work and they're not professionals at the end of the day, really. And when you're a full-time team, like you need someone there all the time at the club to understand what's going on and, and everything. And props to York for actually having a full-time media person like myself because it shows that they value that which is great and you know I'm very lucky to actually have a job at this level I think I'm the full-time lad at South Shields and then there's other part-time people at other clubs and maybe full I think the full-time at Stockport as well but still it's I'm very lucky at this level I'll be working full-time yeah and I guess some of the other clubs might, might be working with volunteers for the media side of things might they I mean mm. I've noticed through your tweets that, that you're quite passionate about volunteering and, and also making sure people don't get exploited is that something that you've seen happen at different levels I just wondered where that, that kind of passion came from yeah I think with anything I think you're referring to the, the thing about you know I said about you've got to get expenses and stuff and you've got to be looked after I think that's a big thing for me at York you know every person you know I had a student who come in this season to do all the match reports for me so then the match report can go out straight away after the final whistle and then I'm not typing up rushing after the game and if he's doing that for me off his own back then I need to look after him because I was in that position. You know, I know what it's like. So he gets a training from like Harrogate or whatever. We pay his expenses. You know, I make sure he's got decent references. If he needs anything, I can uh, link him up with another club or, you know, a contact I have to get some more experience. I'd give him feedback on his work where a lot of people wouldn't. You know, I think a lot of people do take the piss out of volunteers a bit, which is wrong, in my opinion, really wrong. And, you know, I was in the, that shoes, you know, not getting paid expenses and sort of doing all this free work, which is work at the end of the day and you know not being acknowledged for it and I think volunteers you know I see them as obviously I'm the full-time media officer but I see them as the, the people who should be put on the pedestal as in Tom Tom Adam and Ian on a match day they deserve all the credit for all the match day stuff you see you know the videos you see the photos which are like instant they send to me just to my my thing straight away they have all they bring all their own equipment and stuff which obviously they've paid for and they just do it for the love of the club which it's like, they're like gold dust if you know what I mean if, if I didn't have them the output wouldn't be half as good as it is now and you know they deserve all the credit for the match day stuff you know it's been I've seen a lot of people comment nice things about it and stuff and, and that's great and that's all down to them you need to look after them is what I'm trying to say and make them feel valued because they are valued at the end of the day and when you got your big break at York City what, what was the interview day like were you nervous again because you're a supporter and, and I think you touched upon it at the, at the start of the interview that you know you'd said to your dad this would be a fantastic opportunity for me and wouldn't it be great to work for York City so so what were you nervous about the interview and what sort of things did they get you to do at interview and who was there yeah it was um I'll just start with how it came about really because it'll give you more context so Chris is this is the first time you'll be hearing this I think but the Chris Pegg's job commercial manager I think that was advertised in maybe like February or something like January February time I think 2019 and it was like like 
commercial and events manager, I think. And I applied for that even though I was a student. And I thought, you know, I don't really fancy doing this, but it gets my CV in their hands. And it just shows, well, someone might remember me from when I used to do the BT stuff. And it just shows that I'm there and I'm graduating soon. So if, if you need me, I'm here sort of thing. So I sort of pushed that in. I got an email back from Dave Penny, who's sporting director. And he said, Dan, I don't think this job will be right for you, which I knew. I'm not a commercial manager, but email me in the summer and we might have something available. So I was just like, okay, that's interesting. And it came to the summer. I'd, I'd done really well at uni. I'd finished with the top grade in the whole department. I'd done so much experience and I was applying for football clubs. You know, I applied for Accrington Stanley, Bristol Rovers and West Ham and all of these were like entry level things, media assistants, internships, paid internships at West Ham, I think. And didn't even get a sniff, didn't even get a, a reply back. And, you know, that really sort of, you know, I was like, you know, I've put in all this graft. I've worked nonstop for three years and I'm not getting anything. And I was like, I was really down about it. And I was thinking, you know, am I going to have to do a master's degree? Am I going to have to you know, work in a shop? Which would be, you know, in my mind would have been like the, the lowest of low, really. Because, you know, I've, I've done all this work and paid for uni and stuff. I don't want to go back to work in a, a golf range or whatever. No disrespect to anyone who does that. I, just, I, I wanted to do the media thing. And you know, I just thought, you know, I'll, I'll send another email to York just to see. Uh, I didn't have my hopes up whatsoever. I emailed Dave and I just said, look, I'm, a, I'm available. Have you got anything coming up? And he said, yeah, tell you what, we might have something. He, he actually rang me because I left my phone number it was a bit weird speaking to Dave Penny because I, I sort of saw him as a real big figure so I was just like that's a bit strange but he was like yeah can you can you come in on Wednesday I was like yeah sure you just wanted to chat no I don't know if it was like I didn't even know what he wanted to chat about and he came in he was just like you just wanted to know me a bit it was Dave and Lisa I had the club secretary initial I had the initial chat with just chatting to them in the boardroom I remember coming in I was again quite nervous but you know I was quite confident in myself by that point you know I was, I was a good speaker and I was really passionate about the club which I think came across and I sort of like listed things I can do and stuff and you know I'd sent them my portfolio online and stuff and I think it was Lisa who remembered me well it must have been because she's the only one there still and she maybe put in a good word for me and just said yeah he's a decent lad or whatever and um, yeah he came back and said yeah we can we can take you on part time because obviously they had a full time person there a press and PR manager or something like that Ian so he was there and I thought, you know, he's obviously an older guy. I don't think he's going to leave his job. And, you know, I was just coming in part time because I think they wanted someone young in there to do like the social media side of things. Because, you know, obviously that looking from the outside, that obviously was lacking at the club and we were very behind in that respect. And I was going to come in part time. I think it was two days a week, I think. And it would have been, I, I did have another part time role set up uh, for a county FA in Northumberland. So at the time it was for a month. I was travelling up to Newcastle three times a week. I used to leave at like 6am, get back really late three times a week. And then I was working for York two times a week. And that's when I just started. And I was, it was just social media stuff, maybe interviews with players, managers, stuff like that. Just filling the gaps essentially. And like a couple of weeks in, sorry, I've got off track here. I had that initial conversation and then Ian handed in his notice around that time. I was told it's nothing to do with me sort of thing. So the, he he handed in his notice and they said, oh, there's a full-time job opportunity. Would you like to be interviewed? And obviously I was already there coming in part-time. So I was already the person they would they would pick. But obviously they still interviewed me along with another lad who you know I knew actually he'd been working for another football club for many years actually. So I thought, you know, I'm the underdog here. I'm not going to get it, sort of thing. So I went into the interview. I remember it was it was Dave and Chris Pegg who interviewed me. And I came with a folder full of all my portfolio, like physical portfolio. 
and I got asked to write a press release for a new signing and I actually wrote it on Martin Wolford re-signing for York and I remember uh, bringing it in and Dave Penny was like, oh, you never know what could happen. So I'm thinking, oh, Fulfords might maybe sign for you. He went and looked on the side for Boston. But anyway, I did that press release and sort of checked it. It was like, yeah, all right, good, yeah. Um, they just sort of asked me loads of questions about, you know, what I did and stuff. And I think they may be told by a few people that I was a fan and stuff because they did ask me about the fan element. And I think traditionally clubs don't want to employ fans because there might be some sort of, you know, you won't be able to do your job as professionally as you probably would like to, even though you say you would. But I think I've I put across, I'm a fan. I know the club inside out. I know it to a T. What you'll get with me is I started listening off the things which were sort of wrong with the club, which at the time I was thinking, oh, they're going to think I'm a right idiot. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think they sort of liked that because I sort of said, look, the fan engagement's terrible. You know, stuff about like the new stadium and stuff. And, you know, we need to be doing this, this and this. And I can help you do this quite easily because I know the fans and I know what will help essentially. And yeah, it was, it was a good chat really. And I remember Chris Pegg, he sent me a message on LinkedIn afterwards, like straight after the interview. And he was just like, oh, good chat today. I thought you came across really well. And you now I thought, oh, it's a bit weird. Someone messaged me after an interview. But anyway, I was like, oh, thanks, mate. Yeah. And then I was graduating on the 4th of July, which is obviously coming up now. So I'll be working for a couple of years soon. And I told him, like, if you're going to call me, good or bad news can you call me after my graduation ceremony because I don't want to I yeah, don't want to be down enough. so the graduation ceremony was on the morning brilliant had a good graduation and went for a meal with my parents afterwards and the phone rang from Dave Penny and you know I was, I was like to my dad I was like oh look it's Dave Penny like, I was like oh I'll just answer it after the meal he was like no 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 answer it now do it now so I went and answered and I was just like oh it's going to be bad news but anyway it was just like yeah Dan we'd like to offer you the job uh, I was like wicked <laughs> you know, this is like the best day of my life I've just graduated and I've got the my essentially dream job it was brilliant and you know, from there I think I started the next week handed in my notice at the county FA which is a month so I had a month of working like part-time and then in between that Ian had left. I didn't get much of a handover at all. There was no processes in in place in terms of the media side of thing. There was nothing set up for me just to go into and you know. So I had to I had to start from scratch eventually with everything, which obviously you probably see from maybe the social media stuff. It took a while to build up uh, graphics, things like that, style. So it was hard to begin with, but I absolutely loved it. I, still love it it's um absolute dream job i mean perhaps and i like you say there you know you didn't have much of a handover but sometimes starting from sort of ground zero is possibly a good thing isn't it when you've got all these ideas and, you, and you've got all this kind of experience that you've obviously built up in in that time at uni and volunteering and, and working here there and everywhere that you know you could kind of take ownership over it and i think you know speaking from a york city fans point of view i, I think yourself and chris Pegg have made a huge impression over the last year like you said i can't believe it's it's not even a year since you were appointed at york city it feels like you've you've been part of a club for a lot longer and you've brought that sense of positivity and freshness to the club and arguably i would say have built a bridge bridge that gap between the fans maybe and, and the club that was maybe waned over time did you find it any sort of resistance to that when when you first came in I think there was, obviously I said in my interview, there was problems with fan engagement and stuff. And as you said, we built bridges, but I realise it's a very slow process. And, you know, we've had five years of just going downhill. And in, in that regard, fans have had sort of a, you know, club and fans have had a traditionally a sort of resentment against each other, it, it seems from my perspective. And, you know, that was one of the things I wanted to do when I come in. And, you know, it is going to be a really slow process. You know, I can do all these things, but it's going to take time to rebuild these relationships. So, it, you know, it might be another five years before we see that uh, back to that level of, of engagement. But in terms of resistance to things, it's, I feel like, you know, for me, it was all about 
I feel like I'm sort of maybe the fan's voice in meetings and stuff, if you know what I mean. So there's obviously you've got to think of it from a professional standpoint and the fan standpoint as well. So there's some things you just cannot do because, you know, whether that be finances or it's just not logistically possible. And, you know, we have meetings, staff meetings and stuff. And you know, I'm saying all these ideas and this is what we need to be doing. This is what the fans want. I've researched it. This is what they're saying. This is what we need to do. And then I'm not an executive decision maker, so I can't say we're doing this. So, you know, it goes through people higher up and we see if we can do it. So obviously some things we can't do, it. it's hard. Um, but in terms of resistance, there's, I think that people think there's some sort of resentment from staff, board, to the fans. I don't think it's like that at all. I see it as more of a misunderstanding between both of them, if I'm honest with you. And obviously we're working to rebuild that and... It's just about rebuilding trust again. We're all in this and we all want the same thing, don't we? We want to rebuild the club. We want to we want promotion that goes for Steve Watson, the players, everyone. And I want to build this togetherness attitude, which we, we saw quite recently with Promote 2 thing. You know, it was absolutely great. And you know, I got that feeling of, you know, accomplish something and we're doing it together, which is all I ever want. Like that is my absolute goal with this football club and obviously it won't change overnight it's going to take time and you know we can build up you know we can do little steps and stuff and obviously there will it won't all go to plan sort of thing but as i said we all want the same thing and really sort of gunning for that if you know what i mean has it been easier um sort of doing the media side of things and and the new ideas that you've brought in with the fact that the team have had a really successful season i, mean, I know it's season's not even over yet <laughs> bizarrely but did you know what i mean that you know that there's been a long unbeaten run in there and you know steve watson certainly brought a lot more positivity from his reign has, has it been easy is it easier for you on the media side to kind of engage fans when, when on the pitch stuff's going well absolutely like i came in and we went on a 20 odd unbeaten run and it was easy you know i you could have put anyone in my job and it would have been like fine anything i'd put out positivity great it's when Obviously, when things aren't going as well, we had that little blip, you know, you really earn your money and you, you have to think of things from a PR perspective and, and stuff. You know, I could be very, I'll give you an example. If we win a game, I can put loads of tweets afterwards and I will put loads of tweets afterwards and I'll just spam social media sort of thing and get the most I can out of it. If we lose a game, it's normally match report and then we wait for the highlights on Monday or something. Because anything I put out after that will just be negative we'll have negative response which obviously football is an emotional sport I completely get that it's best not just sort of in that situation if we take like the Hereford game for example if I put something out even if I was trying to be sway the conversation somewhere else someone would reply and say you know what about that Hereford game or yeah, you're not going to like meme out straight after a fall <laughs> <Yeah>. on your <laughs> feet <laughs> exactly you've got to think of it from a PR perspective and stuff and we lose that game we put the highlights out then it's done. And then we start the new week and we're on to the next game. We're building up to the next game. We get that excitement back again. And, you know, ultimately it's it's down to, you know, the lads on the pitch and, and stuff who, and they make my job easier if, if we win. So, you know, even more, you know, I'm a fan as well, so I want us to win. But even more so, I want us to win because I'll be able to just milk the social media so much and real like shout from the rooftops, you know, York have won a game and we're top of the league or whatever. And as you said, when we were winning that unbeaten run, it was brilliant. I'll post anything and I felt like I learned a lot more actually when we were losing games and we went through that patch because that taught me sort of what to put out and what not to put out and how people respond to things because obviously I didn't really have that experience before so it's a learning process I hope I'm getting a bit better at it from the fans perspective <laughs> and, and the fan base is quite diverse isn't it of York City so you've got a lot of people that have been at York City for years and years and like you say have seen the, the kind of highs and the lows and, and then you've got 
people that are obviously new and and, and I guess the, the sort of style of, of your media you know social media and that sort of thing is, is going to more intra- attract young, younger sort of fan base isn't it so you've got to kind of mm. is it quite hard for you to appease both sets of fans yeah but again I think the younger fan base dominate our social media obviously because you know the older fan base they'll pick up the York press or, or something so you know in terms of that I've just got to manage the newspapers and make sure they're happy you know the big thing to me is like media relations and stuff and you know, I've had meetings with David Warden and um, Joe from York press and stuff and his boss and they're all saying like this season's been so much better than other seasons in terms of media relations with the club I think what you said before about some sort of tensions of what I'd put towards the club it was one of them was we need a better relationship with the local media and in turn that will help us get more positive coverage and there'll be more understanding between us and I think sort of saw the local media as a you know a hindrance at times because obviously if you're doing bad then journalism you're open to criticism that that is journalism essentially you've got to find out why things aren't going as plans you know which I completely get because obviously that's my background in journalism so I remember David Ward saying to me he was like you know before you came in the attitude was the guy before me was my job is to stop you from knowing things that is what he said and I just said to him, that's literally the opposite of what you should be doing. Like you need to be transparent. And it's a good relationship we have because you can use this thing called on and off the record. So if there's something sort of we want to keep under wraps, not for any other reason other than, you know, it might be a legal thing. Most times it's a legal thing um, with the stadium pretty much. We need to say like off the record and then they understand and then they can't criticize that point because we've already told them why we can't tell you this or we can't say this. And it's difficult with the new stadium, as I said, a lot of legal things. We're not even the ones building the thing. We're not even, we're just renting. So think of it as like your house getting built. We're sat there waiting for our house to be built and it's being delayed and delayed and delayed and we're getting criticised for it. But we're, we paid that money for the house and we're waiting to get in. And that's what I didn't understand when I came in. I was like, why, why are people criticising the club when we're not the actual ones leading the build or anything? And we, we're not, it's not our fault it's delayed. So it's been a hard job turning that around and getting more understanding of that. But obviously you can use the local press to do that. But so back to the point you were making about the older fans and stuff, they get their stuff from the programme, you know, York Press, the radio. So they don't really do social media. And obviously we want to attract a new generation of fans as well. And that's where they hang out, social media. So my style is very, I cater to the younger audience and you know, I use humour a lot just because, you know, that's what I like doing. And I like to have a bit of a sense of humour and that puts us in a good light as a club. Me and Chris have this saying in the office where it's like personality, not press releases. Because I think traditionally, before I came in at least, it was just, say if we signed a player, it would be like, so-and-so is signed for York City. Read more. And then the link is boring. You know, you do that in a paper or something. But I like to have a bit of fun with it. You know, I do teasers and stuff. You know, I I do um, like videos. And, you know, it's building that excitement for something. And before it was just like, just press releases and it was just so dull and boring and you know no one's going to want to engage with that and you know I was looking at the social media impressions for this year it's gone up three times over all platforms like it's absolutely exploded and that's just because of the style we've we've changed to and obviously that's still developing and trying to find like the voice of York City which what goes well with our fan base I take a lot of inspiration from like Leeds United fans probably won't like me saying that but I know the guy at Leeds quite well yeah. <laughs> I know the guy at Leeds quite well and he he's brilliant at it like he knows the fans to a T and I remember having a conversation with him and he was like you need to be if you're the guy the media guy you need to be the eyes and ears for the fans 
So you need to give them the content which they can't see. So, you know, in training, the behind the scenes stuff in the tunnel and stuff like that. And that's what, you know, I've got planned for next season as well. So much more behind the scenes stuff because match reports, you know, live feed of a game and stuff, that's standard. You know, people are used to that. What fans really want to see and what I I think they want to see is behind the scenes stuff, more transparency in terms of things. And, you know, that's how you're going to get better engagement. And that's what we're trying to build all the time as I said before I want my job to be I want to build that bridge between the fans and then I think job done like that's all I want when I do eventually leave this club or whatever you know I want to leave it in a better position than it was in terms of media and fan engagement and then I'll be really pleased I don't want to leave it in a worse state all the same and that's with everything I do so having that conversation with the Leeds guy I think next season we're going to do a lot more than we are at the moment behind the scenes stuff and eyes and ears so I'm hoping that the fans will take that well and you know we'll see essentially yeah just going back to that that sort of you know engaging the, the younger audience and stuff like that obviously a lot of that will involve you having that relationship with with players and, and the manager and, and what is that relationship like are there some players that are more up for doing things with social media than others yeah definitely so you've probably never seen a video interview with the likes of Dan Maguire Callum Griffiths trying to think of others there's a couple of players who just don't want to do video interviews and that's fine and they just want to do like written interviews sort of thing so that's fine and then there's other players who like love the camera and they love the you know the interviews and stuff like that you know you've got the likes of like Moake Sean Newton and stuff and I've got to know the personalities really well it's great to have those personalities like Moake and Newton in the team because you know it's good content and you know that's fine you've got to respect that some people are better speakers than others and that's absolutely fine in terms of the relationship I have with the manager and stuff, I can't come in and act like a journalist, if you know what I mean. I can't ask the digging questions. I remember there was one time, actually, we were playing, just before playing a part-time team. I can't remember who it was, but you know, I wasn't really thinking about it that much. But I sort of asked the manager, I was just like, do you think it'll be easier because we're full-time and they're part-time? Do you think we have the upper hand? And if you think about it, why have I asked my colleague that? And if I'm trying to improve the reputation of the club and I'm trying to, I'm not trying to give people ammunition to fire at us. Do you know what I mean? From a club perspective, club media, you've got to do it from a positive perspective. So anything you see me ask on interviews will be always positive. I'll never ask a digging question unless we have a conversation before and we want to speak about it. And I think I saw a comment maybe on Red and Blue or something. I do look at every single comment for any fans listening. So there was a comment saying, I'm not sure about this media bloke. He seems to, I think he seems to sway things and get the manager to say things. That's not what happens at all. It's the manager is his own person. I don't, if I said to Steve Watson, can you say this? He'd probably say some expletives to me, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> you know, he wouldn't, he's his own man. And with any interview, you don't want things to be scripted. Nothing's scripted. We maybe have a conversation before if there's something we want to address. For example, a couple of months ago, we had a, two of the players were abused outside the ground as they were walking out. Obviously, that's a very serious thing. And, you know, we had the police involved and stuff and it was very serious from our perspective because, you know, that's just not on, um, you know, if you're a fan or not. And obviously, I'm a fan as well. I didn't think, I think the whole fan base agreed that is not on. And you know, I, don't, I had a conversation with the manager. I was just like, look, do you want to mention it? Because I think it's better coming from you than me putting the press release out and saying this is bad. Because I think fans respect the manager. And he said, yeah, definitely. I've, I've wanted to do that anyway. Or maybe sometimes he'd come to me and say, I want to do something. So, you know, it's we do have a conversation about some things if they're serious. And, you know, if it's maybe like, should I ask you this or should I not? Because then you get that understanding, you get that trust between us that we're, we want to we're trying to convey a message when we do interviews and we're trying to I just prompt Steve with questions I don't ask a question and then try and push an answer if you know what I mean 
I just prompt him and he says what he wants to say. So there's no sort of scripted stuff or anything. And you know, as I said, we, if we want to speak about something. I ask him beforehand and I add it to my questions. And just moving on to, to the lockdown stuff that we talked about at the start of the interview. Obviously, your podcast is, is quite a, a big thing. And I presume that the Leeds United person you were talking about before was that one that you had as the first guest. And sort of listening to it, it it's obviously, I'd imagine it's an education for you as much as the listeners as well, isn't it? It sort of feels to me like you've put this out there and, and you're wanting other media outlets to be in there and you can kind of pick up things as well as, well as the listeners. Yeah, so it's probably the best thing I've done during lockdown actually because I can go out in there and do it with York and you know trial and error sort of thing or I can talk to the people who are already established and know what they're doing and are you know really good at their jobs like the Leeds United guy and I can pick things from them so obviously I've, I've been doing that throughout lockdown and I've learned probably way more than I did even at university about you know the media role at a football club so in terms of next season I'm so excited about implementing all this stuff and as you said it's just learning for me and then I just put that out for other people you know students graduates who are wanting to get into football media and it's like you said it's an education tool and it's been so good for me to learn from these people who I pretty much other you know I wouldn't really speak to otherwise you know, I'm not going to ask to go shadow him at Leeds for a week it's much easier just to have a, a conversation for an hour and pick his brain so yeah it's a really good thing I did that podcast and, and I think as well it would, correct me if I'm wrong but the listening figures will be irrelevant really for that because if you have one media student who listens to that and that impacts their future career or their future path then it's kind of served its purpose, hasn't it? Even if it is just one person who, who would pick up on that. I'm sure there would be, you know, hundreds, but you know the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, like I think it boils down to, like I said before, I was always, I was in that in their shoes before. You know, I couldn't get a job. I was down about it. I didn't really know what I wanted to do for a bit. I was sort of always like brought up to be, you know, kind to people and never put people down or whatever, be positive and this is helping people which brings me fulfillment if you know what i mean you know i like helping people even in my job at york i'll do things odd little things maybe send a, a fan a card or something if i've seen someone on social media or you know put their name in the program if i've seen someone just little things like which they're not expecting and it makes me feel good to make them feel good and again that helps with fan engagement it's not why i do it and that's why you know that's why i think you know the fans respond quite well to me as well whenever i engage with a fan it's very positive even at like a fans forum or something so many people i didn't even know just come up to me and just said you know hi dan or whatever i'm just like oh, that's weird they know my name <laughs> but it's just like lovely like i really like making people happy that's the key to life really isn't it? you if you're not making people happy and you're not making someone else's life better it's you know what you're even doing you know like yourself with this podcast it's absolutely brilliant you're doing these interviews with ex-players and stuff it's filled that gap of content from the york city account obviously i've been on furlough and stuff and fans get that perspective from people and for you it, it might give someone who's say someone's a bit older and they're on their own during lockdown and they haven't got anyone to speak to it's it's great to hear that sort of voice for maybe two hours or something and it's all all boils down to being kind be kind like my motto you'll never see me being unkind to someone don't really know the word for it but yeah yeah be kind that's the that's the thing that's the message obviously we have to talk about promote too and i've just literally sometimes i do this with interviews and i, I kind of start writing a question and then i think i can't i've just wrote promote to discuss and, that, and the reason i've done that is because i think just in your words really to sort of explain how how that came about how it's exploded and and kind of what's the latest with it really yeah so i said i was on furlough and for my terms i can't do any work i'm not allowed to work i said i'd you know i'll do stuff voluntary 
but if you need me to and I'm here I want to work because obviously I want to do I want to update the fans I want to do things and obviously there'd been like a month of like no activity on the account and it was really sort of stressing me out because as before I said that you know York City is my life and you know I like updating people and stuff and you know people are just like oh the account's not posting ages and it's just like it's because I'm on further and I'm not actually allowed to work under the terms I've signed a contract and it's you know it was very hard and you know, I'd heard on the grapevine you know I'd get calls from Dave Penny all the time and just update me on what's happening and stuff and it was sort of transparent that we weren't throughout all of this I thought we're in a quite good position because we're top of the league and if not we drop down to second and we will get promoted that's what I thought all the time and it sort of transpired that it was going to be points per game Kingsland were going to get promoted they were going to do the same in every league they were going to align themselves with the EFL that's what they said National League they were going to do the the same as them but they they were always going to align with the National League they said and that put us in a good position because I thought we were, you know, we were going to get promoted and it sort of transpired that we weren't they weren't going to do playoffs in our division and they were going to promote Kings Lynn which don't get me wrong they should have been promoted they deserve to be promoted on points per game I think everyone can say that we're not trying to stop them from being promoted they deserve it even the manager will tell you that and we just wanted something fair to happen so for us first and foremost being fair that's playoffs and obviously we deserve to be in the playoffs we're not saying we deserve to get promoted because we're York City and we're second that wasn't it at all we want it to be fair and I looked at it as they're relegating one team from the National League and promoting two teams um, and then they're saving three teams so I think it was something like Ebb's Fleet Maidenhead and uh, Fylde won it I think and I was thinking these teams are you're rewarding failure really when you're doing this and I, I was sort of thinking as a fan with this as well I was just like you know this is not on at all and you know I rang the we've actually got a, a PR woman who a consultant who works with us part time I won't say her name because she won't want me to but we sort of, I sort of bounce ideas off her and stuff and you know I rang her and just said like oh, are we going to do anything about this because it's absolutely outrageous from my opinion like it's the fundamentals of football are you promote teams and you know, back in the day, we'd have to get elected. I'm not going back to that, to elect teams into a division or even stop teams getting promoted. That's absolutely ridiculous. So I thought I got really annoyed. I was really passionate about it. And I was like, can we actually do something here? I know I'm on furlough, but I want to do something. And sort of thought of different things and you know I was speaking to the PR woman and they wanted to there's always got to be a relationship with the league as well when you're doing these things so we've got to think about the backlash from that so at the start they wanted to be really sort of subtle with it and say it was going to be like hashtag support York or something I just said like I'm not putting that out I'm not putting support York out because everyone will just rinse us that's not we need to go hard in on this if we're going to do it and I wanted something like justice or something like that which obviously was too hard if you know what I mean so we settled in the middle of promote two because then that covers everything so obviously during this we the board you know the chairman I say this um, the chairman has been absolutely unreal throughout all this he's been the man leading the campaign he's the one who sorted everything out he's stopped managing his own business coming to back into the club and actually led all this so he deserves all the credit in the world for this and we've had numerous conversations with him about this and he's, he's really backed me as well to do all this which is great because at the end of the day he's a fan as well and he probably the same as me whereas he wants the good he's got good intentions he wants to do the right thing and this it was apparent that this was the right thing so we put this out and was promoted to and I just said please you know share around even the football and family share not just York supporters and I just saw I put it out and I saw the numbers going up and up and I was just like you know when it's going to be a viral tweet you know when something's going to really take off and you know I knew it was before I even put it out because I thought you know I'm a fan and I think I've got the same opinions of every other York City fan in this that we've been absolutely sort of screwed over essentially and 
you know, I put this out and I was like, and I put a tweet out from a personal account and I was just like, let's get this trending like as a joke. And it got to number one trending in the UK, which at the time you got to think there was COVID-19 going on and uh, Black Lives Matter's protests going on as well. So to get number one trending above them is absolutely amazing. And credit to the York City fans, you know, they made it happen. You know what I mean? They shared it. And it was not just York City fans, it was the wider football community. And I think that's what made people look up and be like, you know what, like, yeah, your car getting screwed over here. This is this is an absolute injustice. And people, you know, other people, other fans of other clubs, even in our division, our rivals were saying, this isn't right sort of thing. And that's how we knew we were doing the right thing. And I'm so glad we did it. Because imagine if we sat back and did nothing, I think we would still be in this division. And we still are, but obviously the, we wouldn't even have a chance of promotion. So I'm really pleased that and the manager texted us and Mickey did as well and a few players and were just like, yeah, top work, mate, and thanks so much. And But you know, I don't want to take credit for it because it was the fans who did it. It was like you guys made it go viral and you felt as passionate as I did for the hashtag, which was absolutely brilliant. And you know, off the back of that, we've done a petition as well. And that's purely just to support the fact that the National League never put in their ordinary resolution what would happen if the playoffs didn't go ahead. I felt like they were leaving that out as like a loophole, I felt. So we said we'll do this petition as well. So I think we've maybe got like 3,000 signatures on that. And that's basically just to protect the promotion spots this season and seasons to come. So it's not just acting in our own self-interest. We're wanting to protect all the teams. And that goes down to the bottom of the pyramid. You look at the likes of South Shields, Jersey, Vauxhall Motors. These teams were pretty much already promoted or or have been promoted. And they've just been told, no, you've got to do the season again. Imagine the amount of money which has gone into doing a season and then saying, sorry, you can't be promoted. You've lost, you lose thousands in some clubs. You see in the Wigan Athletic have just gone into administration. And I think there's 10, 15 other clubs which the EFL has said are under threat of going into administration. And that's all because of this. And, you know, it's massive just getting fans in games and, you know, running a football club. It's essential. And, you know, something we felt really passionate about and the fans did as well. And that was a real great moment for me because that's like, this is what I've been wanting to do when I'm coming into the job. I want us to work together and do things. And it just felt brilliant. It was brilliant. The chairman rang me actually as well. And, you know, I had a real long conversation and he just said, like, thank you so much and have a few beers tonight sort of thing. So I was really pleased, really pleased. It, it did feel, from from my perspective as a supporter, of it, it was probably one of the first times for a long while that the, the club and the fans have as one kind of joined together and, and it was fantastic to see that momentum. I, I was going to Ikea on that night that, that you set, set it out and it was funny but I sort of saw the promote to just come out as a set off and then when I got there and there was a long queue to get in and everything I just sort of checked on my 4G you know I'll have a look, quick look on Twitter and to see that the impact that just on that one car journey was was just phenomenal but one thing I was thinking about as well that if it had been Brackley Town in our situation you know a club who would get about 500 fans for a home game and it had been them and Havert and Waterlooville trying to get off the ground the promote to Cameron I just don't think it would have happened and do you mm. think that just shows the power of York City in, in you know the size of a club in, in the division that we're in yeah obviously no respect to those other teams I knew we had a platform to do it with our fans you know obviously not being big-headed at all we have got the biggest fan base in the division and I got in touch with with Havent because I got told that that they put the same resolution forward to the National League, the same as us, or very similar anyway. And um, I said, I, I sort of know their press officer from just from Twitter. And I just said, do you guys, I gave them loads of graphics and I just said, look, if you want to do this, then you know we're doing a promote two thing. And if you want to get on board with it, that'll be, that'll be good. Because you know, even though they 
a smaller club and wouldn't be able to make as much impact. It makes much more impact if there's two teams in the same situation in the same sort of level who you know are being shafted essentially. Um, so it made it a lot. I mean, that, I think that got it down south as well. If you know what I mean, us teaming up with Haven, yeah. that it got it in that division, and you know, Dorking Wanderers did some things on it as well. And you know, some. I think Boston's chairman maybe did an interview about like promotion and stuff. I think it was like a catalyst for other clubs to say, stand up and say like, hang on, like this isn't right. And obviously us being the, the main people pushing this, it was more of an influence us being York City saying it rather than Brackley Town. Like obviously no disrespect at all to Brackley, but obviously we, they've probably got a lot to thank for us for doing that because they probably wouldn't even have the opportunity to go up. Yeah, and I think you're right about the, the football community part as well. I personally think that the South Shields situation is a disgrace, really. I mean, they were clearly top of their league. Uh, I mean, York and Kings Lynn, you could argue any which way about how the season might have ended and that's why it goes to points per game and that's probably the best of the lesser evils, you know, in terms of the, the situation going forward but South Shields were clearly top and also in York's league Bradford Park Avenue were clearly going to get relegated and it just seemed so unfair that not all the leagues are going to follow the same path but just kind of moving it forward now to kind of a future really I wondered whether you kind of have ambitions like a player would you know you're a media person in in the National League North but your CV's already packed and obviously with his promote to thing as well you know you've got a lot of things there that you've done do you have ambitions like a player would I mean obviously it's a dream job for you like you say with York City you're a fan but obviously there's a wider world out there as well is is, is that something that you think later on you could move up the leagues as it were like a player would yeah absolutely I think one of the questions I actually got in my interview Dave Penny asked me and he was essentially what's your dream job and what where do you want to take this and what would be ideal for you because he wanted someone in there who was ambitious and who wanted to you know use the club as a stepping stone that's not my case but you know wanted to go higher because they didn't want someone just to sit in the role and be there for ages and just plod along if you know what I mean they wanted someone to you know really go for it and that's what I hope, hope I've done but the in terms of yeah I've got ambitions I think the way I answered that question to Dave was I'd want to work for a team like Newcastle United who you know, in the Premier League who have a, a fan base probably like similar to York's who are so passionate about the club and obviously I've been in Newcastle it's absolutely unreal atmosphere in St James's Park and you know that would be an absolute pinnacle for me to work for a club in the Premier League and do things on a really high scale you know travelling overseas you know Champions League nights can you imagine like you know just behind your laptop in like Prague or something like that you know it would be absolutely unreal but like as I said to you earlier I've got a job I want to do at York and I don't want to stop until I've bettered things and obviously I'm you know I'm only 23 I've I'm born and bred in York I live in the city centre at the moment. I love the city. So, you know, I've got no plans of leaving anytime soon at all. You know, I, I love engaging with the fans and stuff and you know, hopefully there's many, many more years to come. So the top job would be Newcastle United in the Champions League, but maybe, maybe the second would be York City going up through the leagues. Maybe <laughs> to, to, who knows, with the new stadium. And, and that's what my final question was going to be about the new stadium. I mean, I, I, for players, it's obviously going to be really exciting, you know, playing there every other week in a new stadium. But but I guess you, you'll be based there, won't you, with, with Chris? And it's probably even more exciting for people like yourselves where you're going to be based in that new stadium and working from that which Booth and Crescent although we absolutely love it it is an old antiquated stadium I imagine there's, there's probably quite a lot of limitations there whereas the new stadium can with your job and, and the job you've done over the past year you, you can kind of expand your ideas with that new stadium yeah with Booth and Crescent I absolutely get it obviously I'm a fan I absolutely have the same feelings for the stadium as every other fan. And obviously the board do as well. They're all supporters. And everyone at the club has the same feelings about it. That we want to, ideally we'd want to stay there forever. 
and we want to have that atmosphere and, and stuff. You know, it's a real magical place and it's going to be really, really sad day that when we when we do leave. In terms of working there, obviously the fans only come on a Saturday. They see the, the stadium. They uh, spend a few hours in there. You know, it's great atmosphere and stuff. For me, it's an old, really old sort of rundown stadium. Obviously, that's, that's no disrespect to the stadium at all. It is an old rundown stadium. The offices aren't... I don't know if anyone's actually seen the offices. I, me and Chris, I, I work opposite Chris Pegg and we basically work in the back of the ticket office and it's like a... I describe it as like a cupboard, essentially. It's a, There's no windows. It's very dark and we sort of just sit on these old PCs and obviously the staff aren't together we're all in like different rooms and stuff and it's very disjointed it's not a good working environment if you know what I mean and everyone anyone at the club will say that it's and that's probably part of the move as well in terms of the new stadium me joining the club this is why I was so excited as well joining the club because it's a massive part in the club's history moving to this stadium and I want to be a part of that and I want my name on things to say you know Dan Simonite was was the media guy there when we moved and I want my name on like the last programme at the Proven Crescent saying you know edited by Dan Simonite that would make me really pleased you know something I can look at back on when I'm older because obviously I am a supporter and you know I've been around the new stadium obviously when probably around four times I think just to sort of do videos or whatever or just inspect and say this is what I need for media I need so many ports and I need you know radio I'm going to go there and stuff like that and I remember when I first started it was like yeah we'll, we'll be in the stadium in two months and it's just sort of dragged on and dragged on and dragged on obviously it's not our fault as a club at all and you know yeah we've been round and me as a fan as well I had some doubts about it and I was like you know why are we moving like you know but until you're actually there until you see the extent of the project and what this is going to mean for the football club and I'm not just saying that as like a PR thing or whatever I generally mean this like when you actually walk around the area there's a lot of places people don't see because obviously they're just in the outside so it's still like a building site but obviously we've gone on the inside it's massive it's absolutely huge <laughs> you know there's swim pool basketball court so many different rooms club shop um it's honestly like amazing now I I, i'd probably get lost i've got my own media room as well which is absolutely unreal that's something i'm so excited about it's not like a right sad of saying that but, <laughs> but the um yeah, the office as well it's all i don't know if we've sort of explained where the office is so you go into the the front entrance and there's obviously like that atrium bit probably describe it as um and then you've got the club shop straight on and then just behind the club shop is like our offices and it's all open plan it's all like glass front and stuff like that and i can just imagine myself working in there it's a real you know working for york city in a in a nice real state-of-the-art facility and in a time where you'd hope the club are just gonna climb sort of start climbing the leagues and start a new era it's gonna be so exciting and you know i can't wait for everyone to actually see the inside of the stadium and stuff and you know i know there's a lot of opinions on it but i've seen a lot of people even comment and say like oh yeah i've been around and i've seen it actually and, you know it's, it's actually amazing you know like i don't think photos do it justice at all when you stood there it's it's amazing. You'll see that when you do the radio stuff. The media setup's amazing. You know, there's no problems with Wi-Fi like we do at Booth and Crescent. You know, you won't have to go off your, your dongle on your PC or whatever. It'll be all, it'll be like a football league, like championship stadium, but like even better. And just everything will be so much easier to do as well because there's so many restrictions, like you say with Booth and Crescent. We can't do this and we can't do this because there's so many like health and safety stuff as well and everything like that. But with the new stadium, it's going to be a lot easier to do things. And obviously one of the main reasons I believe we're moving there is 
you know the, the ability to gain revenue as well, more revenue streams and stuff, and uh, stuff like the fan zone and all the bars around the stadium. I'm quite jealous of the fans being able to experience that. Obviously, I'll just be working, I'll be doing the media stuff. I'll be so jealous because they'll be really enjoying the facilities and stuff, and it's going to be amazing. Honestly, I'm so passionate about it, and I cannot actually wait for people to see it. And yeah, hopefully that'll be that'll be soon. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure you even just your description there for a few minutes will, will make fans excited. And uh, like you say, it's moving with the times, isn't it? Dan, thank you so much. I mean, I think that's just been a terrific insight of lots of things that are behind the scenes at York City. And yeah, just just thanks a lot for, for joining us. No worries, thanks a lot. And you know, if there's any fans who want to run anything by me in terms of ideas or anything, my DMs are always open, message me. I'll always reply and respond to everyone. Hope you enjoyed that special bonus edition of Hospital Ball. It was just a, a one-off to sort of tie off the end of the series there. We had an opportunity to interview Dan Simonite and thought it would be a really poignant time to get him on given all the things that have been happening recently and update fans on things that were going on behind the scenes. So I hope you enjoyed that. No kind of sponsors for this episode. It was it was kind of a last minute thing. But if you do want to donate to the charity, it's still justgiving.com forward slash York Hospital Radio. Those donations make a huge difference to the charity and even if you're able to only donate a pound, every little help as Tesco once famously said and uh, we'd be very grateful. Mm-hmm.